good morning, BCC. We're going to worship together this morning, wherever you are, in your house, in your living room. He's worthy of praise. He is our cornerstone in every season, and we have the privilege to worship him this morning.
thank you so much for loving us. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for just allowing us to know you, to come before you, and to walk with you, God, on this earth. And we pray that you'll help us to always be mindful of the fact that you're with us, that no matter what goes on in the world around us, that you're, you're with us. You're with those who faithfully hold on to you and trust you and have surrendered their lives to you. And God, we want to be those people of faith. We want to help other people find that rock that they can build their life on as well. So, Father, help us to be uh, tools and instruments in your hands today. We love you and give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Julie. Julie is awesome. Amen? Yes, she is. We are uh, in the middle of studying through the book of Philippians. And uh, we're talking about moving forward in faith, which has um, been a topic for us now for uh, since the beginning of the year. We started out talking about moving forward with, with Jesus, and uh, in, a, in connection to that, we were talking about letting go and letting God. And so the beginning part of this uh, sermon series and, and our talk about this was primarily about um, like getting rid of things in our life that are holding us back, that are hindering us from going forward, that might be uh, keeping us from being and doing whatever it is that God wants us to be about. And um, so it was a little painful at the beginning. If you've if you're been with us, you, you know what that was like and what we've gone through. It's kind of a building project. If you're listening to this uh, today, and you have not heard the sermons prior, you can check those out on our website if you want on, on the podcast drop-down. Some of those uh, sermons are there for you to listen to. Uh, but but we're talking about, we were talking about digging up old stuff, changing our mentality from, from a, a 2020 uh, generational church-minded person 
and trying to think back of what it was really like for those early disciples when they walked with Jesus and they heard him talk and the things that he said and uh, what they were thinking, what was going through their minds. And so we're trying to see this and think about this and feel this from the scriptures the way that they did when Jesus first shared this with them. After all, we're striving to be that New Testament church and uh, we want to pattern ourselves after what Jesus established. So that's where we're at. So we're talking about now, once we laid the foundation of, of moving forward with God and letting go, now we're talking about letting God. And so this is the building part of this, the, the, the construction part. If you've ever gone by a site that they were um, <coughs> excuse me, going to build on, they, there's a lot of groundwork that has to happen first. There's a lot of digging, there's a lot of pulling up, there's a lot of tree cutting, there's a lot of like painful, ugly looking work that has to get done before you can lay the footings, lay the slab, lay the foundation, and then begin to build. And so we did that, and it was a little painful for some people, and it was a little uncomfortable, but it was supposed to be, and now we're building. And so uh, we're talking about uh, moving forward in our faith. Now, there's a couple things that um, lay the groundwork for this moving forward in our faith, and three of them are these. These are the three things that, that you really, we really have to keep in mind as we build. Uh, because these are like big cornerstone truths from the Word of God that we have to start with. Okay, so here they are. Number one, Jesus commanded us to go. And so we know that. In the scriptures, Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples, uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, uh, and surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. So Jesus not only promised that he'd be with us, and he is, but he sent us on a mission to go. Number two, he's coming back. He said, I'll be back, and he's coming back. He came the first time uh, in love and grace and mercy, and he's coming again in power to put an end to life and the brokenness that we know, that we're feeling even this week in such a short period of time with, with this crisis that's going on all around us and things being canceled and people's lives being changed and you and I not going where we would normally go because we're now very conscious of the fact that there's, there's a sickness spreading around you know, the world. And so we realize that Jesus is coming back and he's coming back because the world is broken. Sin has corrupted the creation. The perfect creation that God made, sin has affected. And so the third thing is this. We have a mission to carry out. We have uh, the message and the good news of who Jesus is and that when we accept Christ as Lord of our life and apply him to our hearts, forgiveness comes in and grace comes in and peace comes in and all the things of God come into our lives. We're all born with a body, we're born with a soul, we're born with a spirit, we're born with intelligence, and, and so that spirit in us has been corrupted by the world and by sin and by our own disobedience, and when Jesus comes in, he said, I will give you my spirit, he was, said he was coming in to fill us, to dwell inside us. And that happens when we surrender our life to Christ. And so 
When we do that, and Jesus comes in and he begins to move in us, it's kind of like a, a balloon. If, I, if you had a balloon and it, you're just holding the rubber balloon, it's, it's flat and uh, there's nothing going on with the balloon. It just looks like a little piece of rubber. But when you begin to blow into that balloon, the air begins to fill up that balloon. You don't see the air, but you know the air is pushing the rubber to expand. The Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, we don't see that, but God begins to work inside us, growing in us, producing the characteristics of God in us and the fruit of the Spirit, and those, those qualities of God begin to be formed in us, and we begin to grow in Christ. And the world and the sinful nature is pushed out. And forgiveness can only come through Jesus, through a personal relationship with Jesus. Well, moving on. Paul. So Paul is uh, in jail in Rome back in the day. And from the jail, Paul, the apostle, wrote several books. One of them is the book of Philippians. And we're moving through the book of Philippians, trying to grab onto some truths that will help us to, um, to grow, building blocks in our life that will help us grow and to become more like Jesus, to be more like Christ, that's God's goal for our life, is to be more like Jesus. And uh, Paul from uh, Rome, the prison in Rome, writes this book to the Philippians who are living in Philippi, that Paul established this church on his second missionary journey. And then on his third missionary journey, Paul encouraged them and he taught them. And now, years later, Paul is writing them this letter to encourage them to grow in their faith. So what he says to them is good for all Christians everywhere. And uh, we're gonna talk, we've been talking about these truths. There's 27 of them that we're pulling out of Philippians, and we're working our way through. So we've gotten through to eight. Here they are, the, the eight that we've already talked about, that Paul talks about our partnership with him in the gospel. He talks about that God will carry it on to completion, that that our love should abound more and more, uh, that, that as God grows in us and we grow in our faith, we'll have a sense of discernment, the wisdom to, to know what's right and know what's wrong and make good decisions that will honor God and please Him. Uh, a fruit of righteousness inside us begins to grow that I was just talking about, that we will that to live is Christ, that, that Jesus is our purpose for living our lives, that everything that we do is because of Christ and what he's done for us, and we're living our lives to honor him. Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. We studied that a couple weeks ago. And then he says, for me, whatever happens for me, it's going to result in fruitful labor. So we got the fruit of righteousness growing inside us. And Paul says fruit of labor, which is what I'm going to do on the outside. I am going to labor. I am going to work to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. And the reason is number eight, so that your progress will go forward in the faith. So Paul says, the fruit that I'm going to work toward is that you, others, will come to know Jesus and will begin to grow in Jesus. And the fruit of righteousness will grow in them. And that, that the Holy Spirit will move in their life, forgive them of their sins, cleanse them from all unrighteousness, and then begin to transform their, their will and their ways and their behavior and our actions not to gain salvation, but to represent Christ, to look more like Jesus in a world that is broken and fallen and dark. 
And so that's where we ended, and we're going to move on to these verses, verse 27. This is what we're going to talk about today. Two points today that we're going to, we're going to move on to. Uh, verse 27, here's what um, the Scripture says. We're going to dig into this passage right here. Paul says, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Right then, he says, whether I come and see you or I only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending together as for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved, <coughs> and that by God. And so Paul says, first of all, this is number nine. He says, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. So we're moving through this sheet. Most of you have it if you've been here and we're on the last, well, not the last one, but the two prior to the last one. Numbers 9 and number 10. Paul says, conduct yourself. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. In other words, becoming of the gospel. See, moving forward looks like Jesus. As you move forward, as I move forward in my life and in, in the way I live and the things I do and the way I think, I should look more and more like Jesus every day. If I'm working at this, if I'm, if I'm all in, if I'm letting the Word of God fill my heart and my mind, and I'm letting the Holy Spirit lead my life, and I'm willing, I'm willing to be discerning on, on the things of the world and the things of God, and I'm making choices to honor God, I will begin to conduct myself as I live on this earth in a manner worthy of the gospel. Now, most of the focus in this idea of conducting yourself is about our conversation. It's about our actions too, but it's, it's primarily about our words, our, our conversation, our talk, our language, our joking, the words that we choose to share, right? Paul is saying, conduct yourself in the way that you talk. Keep yourself in check in the way that you talk, in the things that you do, in the, the way that you converse with people, how you react to situations, how you respond to people, even in tense moments. When you get snappy, be careful. Conduct yourself, let your conversation be in a way that is honoring God, in a manner worthy of the gospel. That's what he says. As you move forward, do it carefully. Sound like Jesus, look like Jesus, Begin to act like Jesus because people, the world around you is watching. They're watching you and they're listening everywhere you go. So you get up on Sunday mornings, some of you, and you get in your car and you drive to church. Well, the neighbors take notice of this. They see every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, you are getting up and you're going somewhere and it doesn't take them long to figure out probably where you're going. So they see that you go to church, but they're also watching you very closely. They're watching, they're listening, and they want to know, without even asking you, does your conduct match what you're doing on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights? 
does your lifestyle, does who you are as a person match the faith that you claim you live in, your conduct? Is it matching the Word of God and Christ's likeness? So Paul is saying here to them, beware, beware. He says, whatever happens, okay, whatever happens, in good times, in bad times, this is a marriage kind of thing, in sickness and in health, or when things are good and when things are not good, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel, no matter what, no matter what's going on. Behave, Paul says to them, like behave as citizens of heaven. You are a citizen of heaven if Christ is Lord of your life. You don't belong to this earth. So behave as a citizen of heaven, like as a missionary to the world. Like even though you were born here and you live on this planet, Jesus, who isn't of this world, now lives in you. And so the eternal spirit of God is alive in you, claiming you, putting his stamp of seal of approval on you. You belong to God. Your citizenship is now in heaven. Paul's saying, then act like that. Act like heaven is the way you conduct your life on earth, is your behavior, right? When, when in Rome, you know the statement, when in Rome, uh, do like the Romans do, that is not a good statement. Okay, that's a statement that gets people just like chameleons just adapting to wherever they are. If they're around people who drink, they drink. If they're around people who cuss, they cuss. If they're around people who go to church, they go to church. Don't live like that. That's, that's not conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. That's blending into the world. Nobody will recognize you as a citizen of heaven if you do that. Note here that the reputation that we are representing, we are representing by our conduct Heaven, the gospel of Christ. We are representing God when we claim that we are followers of Jesus. And the gospel of Christ, he says, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That is the good news of who Jesus is. That where he came from, why he came. It's everything about Jesus is the good news that God saw us in our sin and he sent his son to rescue us. You and me. That's the good news about Jesus, about the Messiah, the Christ, the gospel of Christ. That's what we represent when we become Christians, when we surrender our lives to him. His grace demonstrated in Jesus that salvation and our only hope for the world is in this person, Christ, that I am following and I'm going to conduct myself in a manner that lines up with who he is, his reputation, I am representing. That's a, that's a tall order. You know, that's a high call. That's, that's, a, that's a challenge in life. That is probably one of the greatest challenges in life that we will ever have. There's, there's a couple passages of Scripture that kind of fit what Paul is talking about when he says, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel when he's talking about our speech and and here's, here's one of those verses. Uh, it's in Ephesians 4. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So your talk, your conversation, your speech, your conduct, 
should be about building up people, right? That's how we should live. If we're moving forward in our faith, that means our conduct is becoming more like Jesus, and we are being very intentional about the things we say, that they're positive and they're upbuilding, that we're optimistic because we have a God who conquers everything. The world can't get us down. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And so we already have the victory. So we operate from the victory. One of the rappers that I like to listen to, Christian rapper, says, we don't fight for the W, we fight from the W. In other words, we're not trying to win salvation. It's a free gift of God. It's His grace. But we are already in the winning circle, and now we're fighting from the win. We already got the win. We've got nothing to worry about. We're safe in Christ. We're secure in Christ. We're confident in Christ. As long as we remain in Christ, we're good. Now we fight from the win. We're not fighting to get the win. So keep that in mind as we live our lives. The second passage of Scripture is in uh, James 3, 6. It says, this is a warning, it says, The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. That's where negative talk comes from. That's where evil talk comes from. That's where uh, cutting people down and discouraging people and, and, and crushing people with your words comes from. It comes from hell. It's set on fire by hell. That's where it comes from, the tongue and what we say. It can build up or it can take down. And Paul says to these guys, to the Philippians in Philippi, as you're living your life for Jesus, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Act like Jesus. Just live your life like Jesus did. So, the second thing Paul says here in this little section, and it's number 10, is the word contend, contend. He says uh, in verse 27, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a worthy manner of the gospel, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending together as one for the faith of the gospel. Paul says, contend for the faith of the gospel. That's, a, that's an interesting word, isn't it? Contend. We got con conduct, conduct yourself, and now we have contend. Contend. And he, in the text, he says, standing firm in one spirit. One spirit. You see that? One spirit. I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. So it's the spirit of God that we stand firm in. The same spirit that was in Jesus now lives in you and me, and we are standing firm together in one spirit. That means one-mindedness, one-souled is what Paul is getting at, one-souled. We are all tightly bound in Jesus. We are one soul together. It's not of our mind that we operate. It's not of the mind of mankind that we operate, but the mind of Jesus. He's going to get to that in the next point in chapter 2 when he talks about let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So Paul comes out and clearly says in the next section that our mind needs to be the same mind as Jesus and it's not his mind that needs to change, it's our mind that needs to change and become like him. But here he says contending, contending for the faith 
of the gospel. So the word contending means to strive, to work together, to, to like as a, in a race track, like, like runners around a track, a marathon race or a relay race. We are all on the same team working together or like Michael Phelps on the, in the pool, like relay racing, they're back, next guy, they're back. And, and we're like working together, contending together for the gospel. We are all working together, and at times we're doing our part of the gospel, or the sharing of the gospel, or the ministering of the gospel. Each of us is running a leg with all of our might, right? With everything in us, we're striving, contending. It's, the word means to, to put effort into it, like to, to put effort, and to put our talent, and to put our energy into contending for the gospel, not for me, not for you, not for other people, but for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God sent his son and his son is available to anyone in the world. Salvation is available to all, to anyone who turns to God. And our job is to contend to carry that to the world, to other people. It's a picture of, uh, of both like the Olympics, the Olympic game as a metaphor or as a military metaphor. Like, like in the Olympics with the boxing or the fighting, to contend for the prize or to contend for the win, to contend for, for, uh, for number, that number one place for the gold. Or in a military sense, to contend uh, like an athlete running a race, competing, contending for a prize, or uh, fighting or combating or boxing or wrestling or, or for Sam, karate chopping, just contending in a, in a physical way for the gospel. That's the idea of the word contend here. It, it, it has everything to do with being trained, being fit, being ready for battle, being battle tested, and being eager to contend for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says, to contend for the gospel. And so these are points number nine and ten that I want to share with you today. Number nine is truths to move us forward in the book of Philippians is to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Be careful how you live. Be careful what you say. Be careful how you're living your life. Let Jesus be the model you're going after. Chase after him. And number 10, contend. Get in the ring. Get in the battle in a spiritual sense. Get in the battle with Jesus, with his people, fighting to take the gospel to the world, to, to fight against the, the evils of this world, the darkness of this world, to conduct ourselves and to contend together. Paul, what Paul is doing is he's building in these people one block at a time, one truth at a time into their lives, kind of like you would construct a house one piece of wood at a time. Have you ever seen a house go up? A wall is built and they stand it. Another wall is built and all the partitions and all the studs and the, the top plate, the bottom plate, and they stand it up. And they do that one piece at a time. That's what Paul's doing, kind of uh, like Legos. Paul is building this, 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 this truth for them to live by, one Lego in their life at a time. And we'll talk more about Legos next Sunday when we meet together. Well, I, I pray and hope that you will be safe 
in this time, in this world of craziness that's going on. Lots going on. But, but, but God is looking to his church. He's looking to his people in this very time for a moment just like this to shine. When, when people in the world who don't know Jesus are being shaken and rocked and they're confused and chaos is abounding, God is looking for people who will live according to his truths and his ways and his faith. And the world is looking for a place to build on as well. So be a person who shares that faith. Be of those who are of the faith that when, when the people in the world come down from their chaoticness, they have a rock to land on because you let God use you to be in their lives. This is a time of opportunity as it is a time of being careful and being cautious and all those things as well. The coronavirus gets its name, interestingly enough, from the word corona, which is like the word coronation, like in England or other places where they um, have um, ceremonies, coronation ceremonies, where they crown a queen or a king and they put a crown on their head. Now, corona has to do with the word crown, because when you look at it through a microscope, it's got little, like, spikes on it. It looks like a crown, which is why it has the name corona. There's another crown in this world that has come from heaven to this planet to save us from sickness and disease and death and anything that, that the brokenness of this world could throw at us. And so the, the one who wears the crown from heaven, Jesus Christ, is greater than any sickness or any disease, even death itself. Jesus has conquered. And when you put your faith and your hope and your trust in him, you too will conquer whatever comes your way. If not in this fleshly life of this world, in the one to come, in eternity, you will have the victory and have life forever and ever, and evermore. So I'm encouraging you, place your hope in Jesus. Put your trust in him. If, if ever you want to get together with somebody to talk about what it means to, to give your life to Christ or to, to grow closer in your, in, your, in your faith or to move forward in your faith, whatever that might look like for you, I am always available. I'd love nothing more than to meet with you for coffee, get together with you, and just talk about what it means to live your life for Christ not to push you into religion. I'm not about religion. We're about a relationship with Jesus, a real person who came to this earth, lived on this earth, showed us the way of heaven, died on a cross, rose from the dead, went back to heaven, and is coming back again. If I can help you with that, I'm always here. Just call me. Just look me up. Find me. My number is 252-675-7255. You give me a call. May God bless you, keep you safe, be smart, but look for opportunities to share the good news. Father, we pray that you would move in our hearts this week, this day. Help us to grow close to you in all that we do. Help us to fall more and more in love with you, God, to, to let you and your spirit moving in us grow us in our faith and move us forward. God, we love you so much. 
We pray that you'll walk with us this week. Help us to have eyes that see the opportunities. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.